the people that I make fun of are often the person that I used to be. <laughs> and so it's very easy to laugh at that. Um, and when I, you know, when I write stuff, I think about things that my younger self should have heard sooner and that ends up being a lot of the content that I write. So I'm lucky that I can write from a place of having a lot of experience in jujitsu, but you know, unfortunately that means that at one point I was just as naive as the next angry blue belt with an Instagram. What is up, friends? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Rafa Sparza, coming to you early this morning. I get it. Uh, some people are, are morning people. I'm not necessarily a morning person, but you know what helps? Uh, coffee in this very convenient, but uh, currently not uh, sold mug. I guess we should probably sell these things. I don't know. It's effort. We could sell them. Do you want one? All right. But yes, coffee in the grappling hour mug. Makes me wake up a little bit morning, but hey, I'm not complaining. We're going to get to our guest. We'll tell you why we're doing it slightly early my time, normal people time, perfectly fine. Uh, but first, I want to tell you guys, if you're not a subscriber, all you have to do, go to high.page backslash grappling hour. Give us some love. You could see these interviews 30 days before anybody else, or you can become a premium member and see specific special extra episodes that aren't available anywhere else. We give them only to those people. We do extra bonus episodes with uh, some of our friends. We do bonus content. Sometimes you can see very, very famous people roast my jujitsu ability or lack thereof, depending on your definition, and much, much more. All right, what do I say about our guest today? So this has been a long time coming. I've watched his work from afar, and clearly I've always liked what he's done as an athlete. But he's become more and more known as this incredible writer. And even, I just, I refreshed his page. I was going to tell you, he's had over 15 million views from his content. Guess what? That's a lie. Because now it's 20 million views. So even in the time that we've been kind of observing or trying to set up this interview, he has continued to blow up every single day. Maybe you saw his work as uh, the CEO, is that what we're going to call this? Uh, the the big kahuna behind the Grappler's Diary, which has some of the funniest meme written format, long form meme. That's where we're going to start a, a thing. Just really, really funny jokes. Like he gives you good analysis, gives you good inspiration, and then reminds you this is kind of a silly sport. So everybody just kind of chill. But just this weekend, he won the CSC Grappling Championship, and I just see him with this uh, WWE-esque belt, and I'm just happy because I said, you know, I was going independ to uh, independently interview him no matter what, but winning something is always dope. So ladies and gents, please welcome to the show for the very first time, very overdue, one, Chris Wojcik. Chris, how you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, Ralph. Thank you for having me on this morning. Very excited. Well, it is great to see you, sir. 
And I guess I should start by asking, as a fellow meme guy, where do you get off being this funny? Because most people are usually only gifted at the exposition part. Very few people are good at the landing the jokes part. But I have some of my training partners who are reciting your work back to me. Well, that's uh, that's very flattering, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I just, you know, I've just done jujitsu for a long time, and I've, you know, I've got some friends back home who are real funny and been making fun of me my whole career, so I'm kind of used to it, and I'm just kind of, you know, reciting things as I see them. I mean, you have a very good, easy sense of humor to to watch and root for, and I think the area that makes me root for you the most is the fact that I don't see you take yourself so aggressively seriously. So when people start to make these jokes, it's like, yeah, you take the competition serious, you're training serious, but there's a lightheartedness in the way that you're writing these posts that is so refreshing because I do worry about getting into this echo chamber in jiu-jitsu, and it's always a refreshing reminder like, hey, guys, we're in some pajamas. Hey, guys, we're essentially hugging aggressively. Uh, or playing strategio games. Like when I see you do this, it, it brings like a nice warm uh, feeling to my heart that I go, hey man, this kid's doing a really good job at conveying writing within our sport. That's uh, that's really awesome to hear. Um, I, uh, I I feel like I, I've grappled for a really long time. I've done jiu-jitsu for eight years. I wrestled for six years before that. And I think part of the reason that I try to take it less seriously as I took it so seriously for so long when I was younger. You know, I used to, like, the people that I make fun of are often the person that I used to be. <laughs> and so it's very easy to laugh at that. Um, and when I, you know, when I write stuff, I think about things that my younger self should have heard sooner. And that ends up being a lot of the content that I write. So I'm lucky that I can write from a place of having a lot of experience in jiu-jitsu, but you know, unfortunately, that means that at one point I was just as naive as the next angry blue belt with an Instagram. So can I ask what the breakthrough was? Like, where's the moment where you kind of go, I should probably dial this back a little bit? Um, so it was really when I was, it started kind of as like a blue purple belt. Um, I was competing pretty much full time. I was in school. I was, you know, working, teaching privates, doing weird jobs on the side so I could compete and stuff. And I was just going, I was working like a crazy person. And I had this injury that was like a mysterious injury that no one could diagnose, no doctor could diagnose. And I had this, it was, a, it ended up being a meniscus tear, but it didn't show up on MRIs. The doctors were, you know, people thought I had maybe a hip flexor issue. They thought I had something, you know, IT band. And it was like super weird. And I was 19 and jujitsu was my whole life. And it was my everything. And all of a sudden I was like, I don't think I can, I don't know if I'll be able to compete for jujitsu anymore at the level that I want to. And so that made me really take a step back and be like, okay, what if I couldn't do jiu-jitsu anymore? You know, if I have to think about, is this really how I want to have this experience be? And luckily for me, um, I ended up tearing the knee really bad. And it was so bad that they could not find it on the MRI. And I got it repaired. And I'm 
you know, I'm good now. It's been years, so six years ago. But I had that experience where I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do jiu-jitsu anymore. I should, you know, really think about this and be grateful that I get to do it. And, you know, really just try to be more, you know, I don't, you don't need to be so intense all the time. This, this is a funny sport and we should definitely see the fun in it. That's very uh, redeeming to hear in my brain because, I mean, I have been accused in the past of, of taking myself a little too seriously when I was a kid. And it was in, as a person, it was when I played sports. And I, I later, you know, when you get all this like perspective and whatever, you're like, why was I so angry about this? Like, uh, and I realized in solo sports, I had a good sense of humor. It was when I was in a team setting or with a group of people that you feel like you might let them down. So I would get so hyper serious. And then, you know, I would tell people, I'm like, really don't play sports with me. I think it's a bad choice. And the more I started to realize that it was like, well, when I'm playing solo sports, I'm kind of more carefree and, and, you know, I have a little bit more fun. But when it was a team setting, it was like, don't let them know. You got to do this. Oh, shit. Uh, you know, I didn't run fast enough to get this ball. I didn't do this. And I was like, what the shit is that? That has got to go. So I, I have told people, and I, I think this is something I had to figure out for my uh, jiu-jitsu side, because I didn't really compete until recently, that I was like, oh, I've broken that now. Because this isn't like, uh, I'm going to let down a team. I'm not going to let down anybody. It's just now I'm at a point where I can just kind of have fun. And, you know, when I show up, uh, we're now getting to a weird part. And I, I don't want to say this the way I, I think it could come out, but we're getting to the point now where people have seen me do interviews with their favorite athletes. So in one of my most recent competitions, I was like, I wonder if people recognize me from this. Like, this is kind of weird. And one of the guys in my finals comes up to me and it was like, Hey man, so can I get on the show? Like literally seconds as we're locking up. And I go, yeah, I guess this is going to happen now. Uh, <laughs> You know, for years of not competing and now kind of having this. And it's having a good uh, sense of humor about it and being like, man, if this dude tried to do this to 16-year-old version of me, uh, yeah. I may have had, like, no time for it. So yeah. I have also, I think, come a little bit in my own journey as well. So I can very much relate to you saying, like, yeah, dude, I, I was pretty serious about it. Is there something about that time when you had this serious face that you look back and you laugh at or that you can laugh at now specifically like a, a moment or a way that you can t uh, carried yourself or a, or a mantra that you kind of had back then that now you kind of look at and you go, all right, that's kind of foolish. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things that I did wrong. And I, I, I was so married to like the, you know, and this was like when I was younger, it was like, I was into the whole Jocko, the Joe Rogan and all the like, and, you know, those guys have their place in society and they're, you know, they have a lot of value, but I was so focused on winning all the time in everything that I did that I would lose catastrophically in other areas of my life. Like I was, so I would win, you know, the blue belt fucking, am I allowed to swear on this? No, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I would win the blue belt fucking, you know, Chicago Open or whatever, and I think I was great, but I would also, like, not, I would be too nervous to, like, talk to a girl 
or a make new friends or do pretty much anything that you know actually would make me happier but i would win the blue belt chicago open or the medal at the blue belt worlds or whatever you know and i think that realizing that like competitive accolades are great but they don't complete you as a human being made me realize like okay well if this is something that i love doing like i love competing in jiu-jitsu and i love doing it but if it's not going it doesn't make me a complete human being so i can there's an element of like fun in this you know like i'm if i win that's awesome but really i'm just like you know I'm happy in my personal life. I'm happy off the mat. And so then I'm also happy on the mat. And that's, that's a great perspective to have. Uh, I think it was Dominic Cruz before he lost his mind completely. You know, people were asking him, what did he think and what did he feel? And he was mentioning, like, this belt doesn't define me. And I thought that was a very telling moment in his career because he had been known as this guy who wasn't losing. And then he has to come back from this loss and he has to come back from injuries. And he, they were asking him, how do you feel about it? And he's just like, this doesn't define me. Like, this isn't who I am. And I, I felt that, that passion from him. And I just go, you know what? That's a, that's a good perspective. And years before that, uh, I think in that same region, I think it's very good when you can create the sense of like, this is, why do I do this? And if you could always harness back to why do I do this? You have less of a sense of, oh no, it has ownership of me. It's like, well, no, I like it because some people will enjoy it because of the, the puzzle atmosphere. Some people, because of the competitive atmosphere, you know, some people just do it because they're like, Hey, my life is crazy, but this is structure. This is sanity. So whatever those reasons are, if you can harness that energy and go back to that, then you have your explanations and you have your, your reasons that work for you. So I think that you may have found that at a very good time. And if you're talking about being that weird blue belt, I mean, that's kind of the job. Uh, I don't know how to explain this to some of our guys, but you know, you're supposed to mess around and, and you're supposed to go be uh, silly about that. So I'm glad you yeah. were able to find it. I want to return back to your writing and your meme making and we're going to get into origin story. We'll even talk about your your experience this weekend. And I also want to ask a little bit about Grapple Fest because you're you're everywhere, dude. You know, when I was trying to set up this interview, I was trying to pinpoint like where is he going to be. And at one point, <laughs> you were in my backyard, essentially Southern California, and I go, it's not L.A. It's pretty far. Yeah. But uh, and I like doing these in person, so it's just like maybe, but I don't want to overcomplicate things, so. In trying to pinpoint where you are, what you're doing, uh, because you're all over the place, I'm like, we have a lot to talk about. But what has been one of the most difficult prompts to write? Like what, when you put these jokes and you put these long form things, and there's a lot of sincerity and a lot of really good insight that I think young grapplers especially can learn a lot from. What has been one of the most challenging either joke prompts or prompts that you've had to kind of complete? I think anytime that you start writing or talking about the student teacher relationship in jujitsu, 
it gets to be difficult because it's such a personal relationship. Like my relationship with my coach is different from your relationship with your coach. And, you know, whoever I was listening has a relationship with their instructor. And so it's a difficult thing to poke fun at without being like, you know, I don't want to make fun of that like personal relationship in a way that's in poor taste, but also the fact that we have these like deep personal relationships with people who are teaching us wrestling basically is kind of funny in a way. And so it's like, that is a, a tough one that I've done a couple on maybe, but it's, you know, and then there's the whole, like all of the life advice that the coaches give and, you know, is your gym a cold? Those get to be like, they're, I think funny because there's some truth to them. But they're also like people get really mad, you know, about if you if you uh, say something that is, you know, near and dear to their heart. Um, and the other one is like self defense stuff. I haven't done a ton of those, um, but that is another one. I haven't done it much because back in uh, the 2021, I was writing on Quora. Um, that was like where I started. I got a few like. Back before I was doing jiu-jitsu, I got some ghostwriting through Quora, and it was you know, a good, good thing for me. I got a lot of, I was pretty popular on Quora, and I would write about, like, why, what is the most effective martial art? And I was like, oh, well, you know, jiu-jitsu is pretty good, but, like, there's multiple, like, I thought I was being super non, you know, extreme in any front, and I, would, I got death threats from people about, like, the, like, they're, like if you were here, I would kick your face, like, Ooh, you know, so that was stuff that was hard to write about. Like people on the internet, just, they get mad about different opinions and different things. So those are, I think, the two that come to mind as coaches and self-defense. That's fair. And I, I wish that they had the opportunity to get to know the fact that you could be telling them and, and they could hear you say, no, 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 I was one of you. I took this very seriously. Uh, <laughs> I, I get what what's happening here. But this is just writing. It, it, it's not law. It, it, it's not something that is a decree. I'm not from this on high. I'm just telling you, like, hey, man, this is one person's perspective. And I think what gets lost in, in, in this translation is is people, when they take this stuff so seriously, I always wonder, and I, I try to have some empathy in this, which is when people come and yell at us on a meme or – an expression or especially a joke. I try to remove myself in the situation and go, what the hell prompted this person to take this time to do this? Like wh who am I talking to and what am I talking about with this person? And I don't pretend like I know everybody's situation, but like, let's say we make fun of their favorite fighter. They're protective of that fighter. Great. Okay. That kind of checks out. Maybe it's a good time to remind them Hey, dude, this dude doesn't probably care about you. Okay. I think it's been long enough, guys. We can say shit about Connor maybe being on cocaine because <laughs> I'm now at a point where I think he's been replaced by Chatbot. And I feel like whatever Chatbot has the Connor McGregor formula is, is crushing it because it is so consistently like, this dude's not okay. I don't think Connor's okay. And none of it makes sense anymore. So I go, okay. 
so I, I try to have that perspective, but yeah, yeah, you're right. One of the things that is difficult about being a, a notable person in the space is because there are so many different philosophies and thoughts and processes about this. If you are expressing one that is a like pulled out perspective looking in, people can be protective of that as they are their fighter. So I get where people want to protect and preserve. But when anybody writes one of these articles that says, what is the best martial art? It's creating an argument. And as a former speech and debate coach, they're not trained in that way. So that is how I have learned to laugh off so much of this. Cause I just go, Oh, Oh no, you just dumb. I'm sorry. Well, and the other thing too, is like people respond, like what people respond to your work tends to send, tends to say more about them than it does anything that you wrote. Like I, I had a, I wrote a Twitter thread one time that was uh, 10 lessons from John Donaher or something like that. And it was like, I read his, there was like a, there's like a book that's like a collection of his Instagram posts mm -hmm. and I read it and I just, you know, there's like a bunch of them. I just read one of them and I picked 10 things that I learned and someone replied like this thread is so cringe. And I was like, I don't know, dude, I feel like a lot of people liked it. And <laughs> cause it did, it performed really well. I got really positive comments and then someone called me cringe and I was like, I don't like that. And so I said, I think a lot of people like it. And he replied to my comment. He's like, I know, I'm sorry. I was just having a really bad day and I needed an outlet. So I wrote it and I was like, okay, so clearly this comment is about you and not about anything that I don't I bet the guy didn't even read the, the post, <laughs> you know? So that happens a lot, man. I'm, I don't think about the comments very much because people, people just say things, you know, to hear, to be heard. It's just a good reminder that so many people in our sport need therapy. Like the fact that this dude's like, Hey man, I needed a friend today. And I just thank you for responding to me. It's like, Jesus. Okay, man, this is the end scene from Goodwill hunting. Now I see what's going on. All right. It's not your fault. Uh, <laughs> pat, pat, pat. You know, I, I've always tried to, to have a good sense of humor about stuff. Uh, I do notice though, the landscape because we're becoming more and more popular, uh, you know, sometimes even expressing an opinion. For example, I recently have come out against wanting to see, not saying like, I'm going to stop it. I can't stop it. But this discussion, this thought of Elon versus Zuck. And all I can think about is why are people paying for what they know is a bad fight? And, supporting this because it only furthers these terrible gimmick fights and people don't understand that the natural evolution of that comes from these Logan Paul and, and, and Jake Paul, very specific sort of, I'm picking that guy. How about a current boxer? Nope. That guy, because I think maybe there's a way to beat him up in this specific rule set. And there's an appeal to that I get when people are like, man, so you're against this? And I go, yeah. You know where most of my amateur fights that I see are? In the gym or on Worldstar for free. I'm not being asked to donate to a charity where these people clearly have money and could just give the money to charity. So they're just coming up with a reason to make themselves feel better 
But they're essentially taking these workers' monies and saying, here you go, we did good, where I think to myself, this is absurd. So even having people like uh, question your character and be like, well, why are you against this? You're against fun. And I go, no, I'm against dumb. <laughs> that, that's really what it comes down to. But yeah. that, I think, is, is part of this embedded... Uh, I don't even want to continue saying the word tribalism, but it is a, essentially a, a victim of that uh, sort of sickness. Yeah. But all right, let's let's concentrate just a couple more questions on these these writing things because I want to give you an acknowledgement in two different ways. First, you mentioned your threads and uh, your do we call these tweets now your X's your Z's if you would. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But when you've put these these long form threads on your social media for those accounts. One thing that I found very effective that you did was I found myself going all throughout the thread and you would just put like, Hey, if you like this, maybe give me a retweet. And I like on cue always go, Oh, I did. Yeah. Let's retweet this because I think it's such an effective yet polite form of saying like, Hey jerks, maybe you didn't follow me before, but help. And, uh, it always prompts me to do it, especially when I've been like, yeah, that's a compelling argument. I did make it all the way through. I did want to see all 10 of these posts. There you go. But number two, the other previous person that I talked to and and had an immense respect as a writer in the form of jujitsu is uh, a man named Marshall Carper. And I feel like, you know, he wrote these, uh, the forgetting Sarah Marshall of jujitsu, uh, of going to Hawaii and, and, I thought his cataloging was one of the best. I've been waiting for years to, for somebody to hit that level of writing. And although you do a different form of it, I feel like you are nicely emerging as a, a modern version of that because it's not just the jokes. You also have a sub stack. So tell me, you know, it seems like it's a natural evolution of you doing some ghostwriting and then working for Cora. So how did you end up uh, developing and starting to get into this this uh, Substack or the, this kind of uh, email uh, newsletter because it's very compelling. And I just think of all the time you have to be spending doing these things as somebody who does work in the media landscape in this sport. Yeah, so I, I actually started writing on the internet in 2020 during the pandemic. So I graduated college and I wanted to still do jiu-jitsu full-time. And I was like, well, I need to fucking make money. So... How can I do that? And at the time, I was a brand new brown belt, and so I wasn't really teaching very much. Um, and I didn't really have any way to sort of make money through jujitsu yet. And so I would, um, I just started writing on a site called medium.com. Um, and I would just write blog posts, and I would do two or three a week. And then I wrote one that kind of took off. It was just like a, you know, like a self help list or something about something I learned. And, it, I, I kind of realized the power of the internet in a way and how much bigger the internet is than you think. Um, and so from that, I created the newsletter and I was like, okay, if you like this article, you can you know, check out my Substack where I write once a week. And Substack, it was either Substack or ConvertKit and Substack was way easier to use. So I just used that one. Um, and Substack has sort of grown into this thing and it's kind of becoming more popular in the writing space, you know, like the non-jujitsu space. And I'm kind of the only one I think who's really doing it about jujitsu, or at least, you know, maybe there are others, but I'm not sure. Um, there's a few MMA ones that I know, 
Um, but I just started writing while I was like, okay, I'll do one a week, you know, just it's easy. And try, I liked Friday cause you know, the posts try to be kind of generally uplifting and, you know, not super serious. And, you know, I think Friday was a good day to have them. And so I started doing that. Um, and I like doing that kind of more long form style. I think it's fun. Um, and then after a while I was like, okay, well I'm starting to get, you know, at the time I had like a few hundred subscribers. I was like, okay, if you guys want to you know, pay, I'll do four extra articles for you a month. And then it, now it's like four to six, depending on how busy my month is. So that was kind of how I started it and how I started to grow it. Um, and then I would just start linking it everywhere. And then in October of 2021, so the Substack is about almost three, um, the, in October of 2021, I wrote a free ebook called 15 Ways to Get Better at Jiu-Jitsu Faster. Um, and it's, you know, it's done pretty well. It's been downloaded like a little over a thousand times. It's done fairly well. Um, and it's just free linked in my uh, bio on my Instagram and my Grappler's Diary Instagram. Um, and that has kind of been my main lead, lead magnet for the Substack. So that was kind of how I started that. And I just post there once a week and uh, it's sort of been the natural progression from writing on medium where, you know, the site controls your views, which is kind of a bummer. Like they can kind of choose what goes viral and what doesn't versus Substack. I get to choose that every single person on my list gets an email every Friday. So that is kind of, I think a big asset to have as both a writer and a grappler and a, anything that you're trying to do as a creator, having emails is great. I agree. And uh, this, this question is completely selfish because uh, you were asking me off air. You're like, Oh, do you, do you write in jujitsu? And I was like, I have, it's not fun. Uh, anybody who tells you writing is fun is lying. Writing is a process. And when you are compelled to do it, it's similar to grappling where you, you can become very obsessed with it. But if you have a very good process and you're organized, you can have great success with it. And you've been so honest about your process whenever you're detailing in your social media or even in the posts themselves where you go, hey, guys, I'm going to be fully honest with you. Didn't feel like writing today, but I did. Uh, tell me, how does your process work? Like, how do your prompts go? Like, what works for you? Because... I know how difficult it can be, especially when I've come home from training. That's where my best thoughts are, but my physical body doesn't necessarily want to write it out. And I have to find ways of either jotting notes or leaving memento-like clues for me to find when I'm back at a computer and I feel like I can organize my thoughts. But how does it tend to work for you? Yeah, so um, I stole this men this uh, mentality or this uh, structure from a writer named Nicholas Cole. He's on Twitter. It's pretty popular. Um, he's a ghostwriter. Um, I still and I still do a little bit of ghostwriting on the side, just because you know it's a uh, it's fun and it's uh, I enjoy the writing. Um, so I, I do a little bit with like I have one client still, but um, the process that he talks about is the planning the page, which I think works well because it allows me to like really spread out my work. So I will like. If I'm writing a list or a an article with like several sections, I'll write down the sections, um, and in the box of each section, I might have a note like a story that I want to write in here. And I don't maybe I don't have the energy to do it. Like you know, I 
train jiu-jitsu every day. I work out. I do a lot of stuff. And I get tired. And I just don't have the energy to write, you know, 3,000 words every single day. But I know that I, you know, I can jot down some notes every single day. That's, you know, the bare minimum. Um, and the other thing that I try to do is I just make sure that I sit down at the keyboard every day. You know, it doesn't, it's not always fun. I don't always get as much done as I do on other days. Um, but I just make sure that I have that like habit. Like for me, it's like going to the gym is a habit. Waking up and doing some writing is a habit. You know, working out is a habit. And I just make sure that I kind of like clockwork. I just make sure that I sit down every single day and I hammer out a little bit because you know, 10 days where you sit down in a row and you do 200 words, that's 2000 words versus when you don't sit down at all. And then you try to do it all once in a 10 day span. It's very difficult. So for what, what works for me is just hammering out a little bit every single day as much as I can. I like hearing this because uh, you detailing this also tells me how you have and I, I don't think it's a format per se. I don't think it's like a rinse and repeat. But I do notice a pattern, which is as a meme maker, a joke writer, I notice in your your writing, especially your listings that you do, uh, your listicle kind of memes, there's always one joke that's just uh, a fucking monster in there. Like every time without fail, there's like, okay, that's pretty funny. That's fuck. Fuck. Four is really good. And that can only be done by somebody who's put good thought into it. And uh, as somebody who doesn't like to always reveal the magic per se of the joke writing, when I read that, there's ones that I have literally, I've read the fourth one or the fifth post and I knew it's, you know, it's your, your walk off home run moment. And I just put it down and I go, yeah, that was, that was, man, really good. And those are the ones that I think tend to get recited back to me. So uh, hearing that process, it makes so much sense on how you map it out. And then that way, you know, you can kind of space out your stuff. And that way you can get your serious stuff in, which is, hey, listen, this is legit. This is important to know. Here's what I want you to take away with. And before you leave, hey, here's the joke. And I think it's such a good way to space it out because it reminds me there's a levity to it. So I, I see the work and, and, and as I process it, you know, it, that's what comes through to a fellow writer is when I'm reading it and I go, yo, that was really well done. So uh, those are the ones that I, I for sure try to share and, and make sure that uh, I'll tell people I'm like, four is it? Or, you know, something as simple as this, because uh, let's be honest, we're all trying to make sure we're not going to be replaced by AI in that region. <laughs> And I feel very, very confident about your ability to keep that going. You know, we've harped on some of these dummies who have said uh, silly, uh, crazy, sometimes uh, in need of a friend kind of things. But what have been some of the best responses that you've gotten? Because, you know, I was mentioning this in the intro, but last I looked, it was 15 million. Now you're at 20 million. That shows a certain kind of growth. And, And just the amount of time that I have been watching you to bring you on the show. This is independent of me just being familiar with your jujitsu work or knowing, oh, he kind of writes like specific within the past few months of being like, hey, let's find a time to do this. That's very, very impressive. And and I think that's something that's commendable. So if you're getting that 5 million people in that short of a time, you know, what have been some of those great responses? Because that means you're doing something right. 
Yeah, um, I mean, the coolest thing for me is when I get, like, I get a lot of email. So it's funny, I had an email the other day that was, so my Substack, the way it works is, I, it's private if you pay. If you pay for, to get in, then you're in the community and you can comment and I reply and all this stuff. Um, but for the weekly posts, you have to email reply me to, uh, to get in or to reply back. And, you know, and so I get personal emails when people like the posts and, you know, someone said, Oh, you should make the comments free. And it's like, you know, bro, I've had uh, people give me, tried to you know threaten me. I'm good. But, you know, when I get like personal messages about something like, Hey, you know, this was really good. Or I'll get like a DM from someone um, about, so I think you sent me a DM a couple weeks ago. Um, but about just like, you know, how a post resonated or, you know, how it was well-written or just like stuff like that is, you know, it really, it motivates me to keep going because otherwise, it, you know, posting online can feel like shouting into the void a little bit. So it's like nice to get a reminder that there's other people out there. Um, the, some of the grapplers, Instagram posts have been shared on Reddit. You know, they've been, uh, you know, it's, it's funny watching people fight over things that I wrote, you know, half joking. Like I remember I wrote one that was like what your jujitsu gear says about you. Um, that one kind of took off uh, on Reddit everywhere. And I was like, I was driving to the gym that morning and I was like, Oh, you know, it'd be so funny if I said like what different gear say. Cause I always, always just think about LXB and like how it's like a, a bunch of bros where, uh, and I was like, I'm sure I could think of some things for some other brands too. Um, and so just seeing it kind of go around is just really funny to me. Um, and it's really cool uh, because it was not what I expected at all when I started doing those. Uh, the way I know something's a good meme is if uh, I've looked at it, I laugh, and then my next thought is, I didn't think of that. And I've seen people do it in the past, but this specific hit list, I remember thinking like, yo, that's really, really funny. And, and, and the hard part is, it's one thing to have a good concept. It's different in execution. And the specific jokes that you had for each of the brands was so right on and, and so even if you wear the brand, you couldn't be mad at you because you're like, I mean, this is kind of true. <laughs> so when I was looking at it, I just go like, yeah, that's really good. And then I saw a merited second post that you did on it. And I go, oh, yeah, and I know you forgot some people. Let's get Breakpoint FC. Are they a thing? Still don't know. Let's get them for some reason. And uh, I just I thought it's again, it's to the levity of it. And uh, you're right. I, I did see it definitely catch on. So I'm glad uh, that you, you re-mentioned that. I have a policy in jiu-jitsu, which is if I think something or like a match is legitimately good, I do try to just reach out because so much of what we do as creators in the uh, jiu-jitsu landscape is you're right. It does feel like you're, you're screaming into a void. And I'm sure the way that you approach your writing is similar to me doing editing. And I go, nobody sees this part. They see the fun part. This to me is the yeah. fun part. What's not fun is wait, is connection broke at minute 30. So I can go back and redo that. Great. That's fun. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's similar to people when they're putting in the extra hours in the gym, like lifting weights, like it's not necessarily the most exciting parts, but it's serving a purpose. So I just try to 
if I see something that I think is really important, I think it's, uh, I think it's easy to just send somebody a nice note. And I, I just try to be very honest whenever I see your stuff do well. Cause I go, Oh yeah, this is really good. And, uh, I, I think we should really be more, uh, more challenged to share stuff that we think is really good. Like so many people will, they don't realize that legitimately doing an Instagram share can make and break certain people. Like it, it, it's part of the thing that I've seen in your success in doing this is you're not paying for ads. You're not doing all these marketing approaches and you're basically saying this content will live and breathe off of your reactions to it. And just supporting it and doing that is the simplest form of saying, I endorse this or I endorse you or I endorse this process. So, uh, yeah, I, th I think it's a, a very good reflection of that. And uh, kudos to you for that. All right, sir, you just competed this weekend. I want to get into this because we normally we start off with this, but you have such a, a breadth of work. It is important to kind of also acknowledge the fact that, yes, yeah, sometimes you grapple and you good. So... <laughs> How did you get involved in this week's competition and, and what can you tell us about that experience from this past weekend? Uh, yeah, so this was a tournament and I just moved down to Austin. So this tournament was kind of me getting my feet wet here in Austin. Um, I competed in a, a tournament called Combat Sports Coverage. Um, they were doing a four-man 175 uh, Grand Prix. Um, and I just reached out because I was like, oh, I'll be moving to Austin around this time. I want to compete. I saw it was on the calendar. And I just, you know, I'm not, like, afraid to just message people and be like, hey, I, you know, if you got any matches, I'd like to compete. And, you know, one thing that I think uh, is, is you know, very true in jiu-jitsu is that the promoters are always looking for reliable athletes. And so if you can, you know, show up, make weight, be on time and just not be a diva, you know, people are going to want to have you on their cards. And so for me, I just messaged the guy and I was like, Hey, you know, I'd love, love to compete for you. And I know, you know, I'm not going to do anything crazy. I just want to do jujitsu and show up. Um, and at first it was going to be for a super fight. And then it ended up being for a four man bracket and a belt, which was fun. Um, and I went against my first match. I went against a guy named Bruno Mateus, who is, a uh, He's fairly well-known, I think. He's a black belt. He's got a BJJ Heroes page, so that's that's important. Um, he placed at the Nogi Worlds last year, um, and we, it was submission only, and I was able to catch an Aoki lock uh, about five minutes in. Um, so I was really happy with that win. because he's, you know, he's, he's been a black belt longer than me, and he's competed pretty well. He, asked, he beat a friend of mine um, a couple of years ago, and so it was good to get that one back for him. Um, and then in the finals, I went against a guy named uh, Chris Orozco, I think was his name. He's from Texas somewhere, I'm not sure. Um, but I caught an inside hill book in about a minute. Um, so I got two leg locks, and that was that was it. Just two leg locks, and I was, you know, got, came out unscathed. So happy about that one. Yeah, I have to be honest. I swear to God, I feel like if there's a four-man bracket, I'm not surprised if I see you in it. I haven't counted the number of like different posts where I'm like, is it? Oh, he's in that. Okay. Oh, he's in this tournament. Okay. So he's here too. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, it seemed like as of recently, uh, there were some experiences that you've had in that. And that's awesome that you were able to get that done because I, I try to keep my eyes on everything and their, uh, posters 
they look very similar to uh, Vegas posters. So whenever I see them, I go, oh, that's the Vegas kind of poster, guys. Mm -hmm. And then I see their belt, and their belt is essentially, uh, the shell looks very similar to a WWE belt. So I'm like, that's not cheap, dude. Like, okay, good for them. But like, okay, I I see what's going on. But it's just, it's this very extravagantly big belt where I go like, it's half of this kid's body. So, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was was my first time. I've done jujitsu for a long time and I've won like, I I was a world champion at Purple Belt and I placed in the ABC. I've never won a belt. So that was, it was cool to win my first belt. Hey, listen, dude, I've, uh, as per happy jujitsu, or happy rolling people are selling their naga belts and the price currently listed on it was like 225 and you know i know a lot of people were starting to roast it i was one of those people but then i started (laughs) doing the math and i was like well to register it costs about 90 bucks to then maybe cut weight get some food travel expenses you know, two twenty five actually isn't that bad if you're just trying to replicate the Naga experience. So yeah. I went from being like, "This is the dumbest thing I've seen," to being like, "Hold on, I'm crunching the numbers. That might not be a bad price if you're looking yeah. to just get it." It's an investment. It absolutely is. So obviously, those are are cool moments and cool things. But where you stuck out to me, and maybe this is either going to. Uh, further indulge you or uh it served its purpose but you came onto my radar because of your hairstyles and i can never get a feeling or a vibe of where your hair is supposed to be so you have confused me multiple times like i I thought you were almost two or three different people at different tournaments where i go oh uh yellow hair over here is doing pretty good oh uh rainbow hair over here (laughs) He reminds me of that yellow hair kid. Okay, he's good. You can't do this to old people. I'm legitimately <laughs> concerned at how many different hairstyles you seem to compete with. Where does that come from? And and are you are you just doing it because you're bored, or is it maybe to stand out a little bit? Because if so, mission accomplished. Well, I think you know I was at a, I was younger when I was. I mean, I was younger. I was like two years ago. I was like. <laughs> Just like trying on different personalities, you know, I was like trying, oh, I like this hair. Oh, it's easy to put dye in. Okay, I'll do that. Um, but I had the bleach for like the bleach blonde for a little over a year and a half. And in that time, I had pink twice and blue once. And it was just, you know, I was just trying stuff out. And then I shaved my head for a little bit. Um, and then I've had this hair style for pretty much the last six months has so been pretty consistent um but i just would try on different hairstyles and see what i like and see what you know made me feel good um and then i kind of have realized that it's you know diminishing returns and i'm not going back to the blonde because it's so much work to maintain it um but just different hairstyles i think it's fun you know good for you as somebody who has a very uh non-changing hairstyle like this doesn't change like you what you see now (laughs) is probably what you saw 10 years ago on verbal tap like i have essentially been consistently the same guy but i look at this and i just think to myself 
well, cool. I mean, if you can pull it off, do it. So congrats to you. I just would have assumed for years that you were actually blonde. So it did take a moment to kind of readjust when I started seeing you look at your, your more current form. So I'm just yeah. like, okay, is this, is this what you're supposed to look like? Because I don't know. Uh, I don't see you daily. I don't know how this works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mostly see your word uh, expressions, not your actual face. So, okay, great. This is what this kid looks like. So please, in the future, understand that if I don't recognize you in person right away, it will likely be because of your own doing. That's that's all right. I accept responsibility. I'll I'll, I'll make sure I reach out to you. <laughs> well, well, just you know what it is. I'm recognizing the older I get, the more I have to tell people like, no, 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 no. You have to tell me who you are, not yeah. because I'm some arrogant asshole. It's just because I'm getting old. And every once in a while, somebody will be like, hey, what's up, Raph? And I'll be like, oh, my God, who are you? <laughs> and like they forget that sometimes they'll see my interviews, but they didn't talk to me. So they'll just come up and like start talking like, hey, yeah, you're half guard. How's that coming along? And I'll think about it. I'm like, when? oh, yeah. Two months ago, I talked about my half guard in an interview. Yeah, I said it was really bad. Oh, you were watching that. That's really nice. OK, cool. Um, Yeah, it's still shit. I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to know? Too with like the the posts because I'll get messages from people or emails and you know people look different in their profile pictures than in real life <laughs> and they'll be like, "Hey man, do you remember I messaged you?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's not like I don't I don't I want to be I want to hear what you have to say. I just you know social media and real life are different." Yeah, and I'm very good about cataloging things, so I remember experiences and faces together. Yeah. So usually that's how it does. And dude, th this is an old computer, but once it starts moving again, I go, oh, 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 here it comes. All right, I've got it all again. And like, yeah. it just snaps back into reality for me. So it, it usually does take a moment. I do also want to point this out because as uh, a person with uh, these, it is so refreshing to see, and I don't know that you're the first person, but you're a notable person on Jiu-Jitsu X at least, teaching an instructional wearing some of these. And I was like, look at this nerd being a nerd and being all smart and showing up in his glasses where most of these people won't ever demonstrate or show things in glasses. So is there a contact situation? Why specifically are you wearing glasses in your jujitsu X, at least promo materials? Because to me, when I see that, I go, I'm nervous those glasses will get injured or hurt or break. Well, that's actually the reason there are no glasses in this video because my glasses broke. No. So I got new frames um, next week, but I am contact lenses for, for this week, which is unfortunate. I prefer glasses. How did but it I, break? How, what happened to it? Uh, so I was at the gym um, and I was doing dips and I just took my glass. It was, it's Austin. It's 105 degrees. I was sweaty. They were sliding off. And so I just put them down and they're old, you know, they're not a new pair. I've had them for a while and I stepped on them on my way back to the, to my stuff and just the, the thing broke off. And I was like, oh. I, I, I have, I have new frames coming. I got them yesterday, but I'm, it was, and I ordered titanium for this one because they're, so they're going to be indestructible but I was really bummed about that. As you should be. I'm, I'm very sorry to hear this. So every year we do something that we refer to as WWE BJJ, which is essentially the combination of pro wrestling and jiu-jitsu. 
and it's always done in jest. And every year we do a competition where people submit stuff for it. Actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, you were supposed to submit something. So I, I remember now I'm, I'm actually having uh, flashbacks to PTSD where I'm like, oh, I, I forgot I do have beef with you. Um, but every year we do a signature match that is out of competition that I do. So it's my way of showing like transitions and silliness and doing storylines. When I was working with my buddy and we're going over a move, uh, I was like, hey, man, come over here real quick. And he goes to collar tie on me. And when he did, he forgot I was wearing glasses. And there's this giant thwap that happens like right here. And the thing just collapsed off. And I look down and he looks at me and he goes, I'm so sorry. And I go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you laugh, but this is a very sad reality for me. And he's like, why is that? I go, because I know I have to tape those up so that I can drive home and not be pulled over because that would be a problem. And I get home and my wife sees me and she just goes, what happened to your glasses? And I was like, Milton. It wasn't even like doing anything. It was the, the stupid part. He forgot I was wearing glasses and we weren't supposed to do that. And he just accidentally did it. And she's yeah. wanted to get rid of those glasses for a while because they were on their last legs. So all he did was just push them over the edge. But she was like, oh, great. We get to get you new glasses. I hated those things. And I go, yeah, yeah. I get it. So uh, I, I'm very sympathetic to when you're trying to express and be like, yeah. Although stepping on them, at least somebody did it to me. When it happens to yourself, there is no worse feeling than uh, just shame. Just shame. <laughs> Just the shame. Because, <laughs> again, you were also thinking, you're like, are you done with your workout that day? I'd like to imagine you're still mid-workout, and you go, they're just broken, but I got to finish doing legs. Yeah. yeah. I had to dig deep, but I got I got through it. Getting <laughs> well, home was the hard part. <laughs> I can imagine now. Uh, let's do this. Origin story time. I want to know, where does jiu-jitsu find itself for you? Because... It sounds like you started as a wrestler. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were saying earlier you were wrestling for six years. So was it then just going from wrestling into jiu-jitsu? Uh, if at any time during those six years did you find yourself doing any jiu-jitsu, where does martial arts kind of find its way for you, sir? Yeah, so I started wrestling when I was 12 years old. Um, and, you know, I started, okay, so my, I, I should, I, my first wrestling season was when I was 12. So um, I wasn't very good my first year. I, mean, I always tell this to people who are like trying new competitions too, because I think it's important. Um, my first year I won four matches and I lost 14. Um, and then my second year I won four matches and I lost 28. So I did not get better after my first year. It was a lot of just getting thrown around and getting pinned. And granted, I was a child, but I, you know, losing hurts no matter what age you are. Um, and then I wrestled all through high school. Um, by my senior year, I was pretty good in Illinois, and Illinois is a pretty tough state, but I was not like, a, you know, I wasn't going to go wrestle D1, and I wasn't going to, you know, win state or do anything like that. And so after my last season, um, which I won twice as many matches as my, I lost in my last year, so I made progress. Um, I finished wrestling, and I wanted to, uh, my mom works in special ed at my high school, and she was working with a guy and she was helping kids find jobs and they were cleaning a martial arts gym was one of their jobs. And so 
he was like, oh, she was like, oh, my son used to wrestle. He might want to try this. And he was like, yeah, have him come by. And so I came by um, and I was doing mostly MMA for the first like year or so. And I was, you know, just doing some gi, some no gi, boxing, kickboxing. I, you know, we could have wrestling practice, whatever. Um, and then I went and moved out to uh, Oregon. And that was when I really fell in love with jujitsu when I was a white belt. Um, and I lived in Oregon for about eight months when I was a freshman in college. Um, I didn't end up liking, liking school over there. So I moved back to Chicago and I trained with a guy named Jeff Serafin from then on uh, about 2017 onward. Um, I did place in my first Nogi Worlds when I was out there. Though. So that was like kind of a big thing for me to be like, oh, okay. You know, I don't even know the rules and I placed at Worlds. I bet I could get pretty good at this if I really focused. Um, and so I started training pretty much every day. Um, after then, I finished school. Uh, I graduated in 2019, or 2020 with a journalism degree. Um, and then uh, like a broadcast journalism. I wasn't even a writer back then. Um, and then... I, uh, I won Nogi Worlds in 2019 um, and then got my black belt in uh, 2022 in uh, late April. Um, I took fourth in the West Coast Trials last year um, and then I beat uh, Gabriel Almeida in a, like a bracket and it was like a big win and I was still a brown belt so I got my black belt right after that. Um, so I've been doing jiu-jitsu for about eight, eight, eight and a half years. Something like that. It's been a long time. I started in uh, 2015, um, and then I started grappling in uh, 2009 when I was a kid. Good for you. You should also know this because I always see. I, I love doing these um, these reveals to people <clears throat> when we're able to do them. But uh, when you took fourth at uh, the trials, a certain somebody reached out to me. I think I might have been saying, who should I be interviewing? Who should be on my radar? And a certain somebody said, you. And I was like, oh, I know. And they're like, yeah. And I go, he's on my radar. I'm a, a time and place guy. So it is a, you could talk about being a good performance then, but you can still bring up that performance later. But it has to make sense. And I was like, because... You can spend this time uh, going over that, but if you follow people's trajectory, and I like to think I'm a pretty good judge of talent, I go, he's going to win something real soon. And you were. You were winning multiple things. That's not the issue. It was also be seeing your writing taking off more and more that I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's have a breadth of writing to go over because to me, that's something that other athletes don't have. And so when I do that, I'm like, I always like to... Uh, have crossover episodes when I hear people have like the story where I go, Oh shit. You know, if we had done this right after ADCC, Keith Kikorian, uh, yeah, Chris would have been a great interview, but it would have been solely focused on that experience. Yeah. And so to me, I'm like, dude, you've lived like 20 lives since that time. Yeah. It was that feels so long ago. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, but it's not that long ago in theory. It's, it's just more so that you really have, have, I guess, given me a, a good sense of, yeah, sometimes there is a little bit of uh, I have a good sense of right time, right place. But you mentioned something that I, I did have pause on, which is, so yeah, focusing on journalism, this is where you and I are connected because I did a lot of journalism when I was uh, in college myself. 
but broadcasting, fam, what happened to that? Like, what were you doing about broadcasting and why that specifically? Because you're talking to one of the handful of people that is a broadcaster in our sport and you just kind of casually go like, oh, Raph, I'm not coming for all of your jobs, but I could do all of your jobs if you're really pressed against it. So tell me more about that. Why Why that specific angle? Well, the it's not really – I wish there was a better reason, but if I'm being honest, it was just that the class times lined up better with training. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it's a valuable skill to know because it also helps to learn how to present yourself and how to speak. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I had the reverse. I wanted to be a broadcaster when I was going to college and my department didn't have a great broadcasting uh, department. It was better print. But the problem with my college at that time was they had a weekly newspaper and I was the editor-in-chief of my high school weekly newspaper. And I was like, oh, I thought we'd be doing something more now. Like, a weekly is kind of weak to me. Like, I've already done this. So when they're like, can you do a weekly newspaper? I was like, this is easy. Great. This album is good. This is bad. Parking, always bad. Editorial on current issue. Like, that to me was, I, I felt like I was already uh, I had those reps and I wanted new reps and it really irked me that we didn't have the broadcasting department. And lo and behold, all these years later, when I saw the sport for jujitsu didn't necessarily have a broadcaster, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Cause a lot of people do podcasts, but very few people know how to do it for TV. So whenever I interview people, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. If this is going to be on ESPN, here's a, a general idea of how it would work. So when I hear somebody say that, I go, oh, so we have an old broadcaster here. Because I guess the other thing that pisses me off about it is I need more people like you in this sport to be on camera if you're going to be a broadcaster. But now I realize it was all a facade. You just had an easier schedule. So, all right. <laughs> I, just, I just want, like, when I was that age, I just went to training. That was it. <laughs> so I would just do whatever I had to do. I tried to study kinesiology, but I was... I was so bad at it. I like I've got ADHD or some shit, and I just was like I couldn't focus. I couldn't remember things. I wouldn't, you know, just didn't do well. I wouldn't finish the test on time, and so I like failed out of that class. And so I was like, all right, we're switching. We we'll go something else. Well, let's circle back to this, which is you mentioned something, which was you fell in love with jujitsu in Oregon. But I always like to ask people when they fell in love with jujitsu. So you kind of touched on it. It may not specifically be a moment or a thing, but I always like to know what takes you from being somebody who goes, okay, jujitsu is kind of fun to do to something that becomes a passion, something that for you especially has become a career in multifacets. So where does it really become something that you fall in love with and why? Um, so I really, I mean, I was really into it the whole time I was training. It was always fun, you know? Um, but the real turning point I think was probably the, not during the comp, my first competition, but in the lead up to the first competition, because I always, when I wrestled, you know, and I wasn't like a remarkable wrestler, but what I, I just loved the, like the, the grind. I thought it was really fulfilling, you know? And it was, you know, when I was younger, it was like, you know, I struggled a little bit with like direction and wrestling kind of cured that. 
And then I had another period where I was like kind of directionless before I really got into jujitsu. And the training was fun, but then once you add like all of the levels which you have when you compete, which is the training, the diet, having the mindset, you know, and then also having to balance the rest of your life, which is something that I like, you know. So even now I am still sort of like a student athlete in a way that I like I still read books every day, I still work every day. I don't like I'm not like a like a jiu-jitsu athlete who just trains and then sits at home and does nothing after that, you know. So I've always been kind of that kind of person. And so I think the the moment that I was like, oh, I can just do this like this, I'm just going to do this the best I can was probably after like my first competition. I just had so much fun preparing for it. And that made me realize that it was something that I could continue to do. Even if it was only ever going to be a hobby for me, that was fine because I was, you know, I had what I wanted from Jiu-Jitsu then. And so I just decided to kind of, you know, go as hard as I could with Jiu-Jitsu and it sort of spiraled from there and it became like, oh, well now let's try the world's oh, well, there's Worlds again, let's go again. And so it just became kind of this like obsession that eventually became a job, you know. But it was when I realized the the competitive aspect was really fun for me. Well, that's what's up. Sir, I know we are coming up on our time and I want to make sure that I'm respectful of it. You've been very generous with it uh, the entire way. And obviously there's a whole discussion about your move to Austin that we will circle back to at, at another time because... Uh, I want to make sure we cover that. And I'm sure there will be much like my weight on the ADCC stories and all that sort of stuff. I think it'll be worth the wait to do that because you're going to be somebody who's going to continually be creating jiu-jitsu content and uh, you're not going to stop competing. I can get that fact pretty quickly <laughs> about you. So uh, why don't we do this? Pin on the conversation right now, but I, I want to give you an opportunity to just plug your shit, sir. Tell the people where they can find you. Tell the people where they can go get your stuff because you got plenty. And also let them know about your seminars and where they can get in contact with you if they are looking to do that or private, sir. Yep. So, um, uh, okay, I got to make sure I get everything. So I have a seminar coming up. Uh, well, actually, all the seminars that I have coming up will be gone, uh, done by the time this airs. So there'll be one in Illinois, one in Georgia, one in South Carolina. Um, if anyone wants to book me for a seminar, they can message me on my personal Instagram, uh, Chris M. Wojcik, um, or you can message me on the Grappoise Diary Instagram. I usually just reply to my personal uh, sooner because I get a lot of messages on the other page. Um, the Grappoise Diary on Instagram is my daily Instagram meme blog hybrid page that I post on every day. Um, on that page, you can find my leg lock instructional uh, that's on Jiu-Jitsu X. Um, you can find my free ebook on Jiu-Jitsu, which will automatically subscribe you to my weekly newsletter. Uh, or if you just Google the Grappler's Diary, it's the top thing that comes up. That's my weekly newsletter on Substack. Um, and if you like it, you can subscribe for free. Or if you pay uh, five bucks a month, you get extra articles from me, which is basically one to two extra articles per week. Um, and then lastly, also in my Grappler's Diary Instagram page, I have a... Um, uh, ebook that I wrote on competition anxiety. So if you struggle with anxiety about competing in jiu-jitsu, that's a really good resource. Um, it's gotten some really positive feedback from people, so definitely check that out. And then I also do a Patreon where I upload uh, weekly technique videos, training footage, match breakdowns from my competitions, and all that stuff. So that's kind of my main things. And I can 
uh, Raph, I can give you this so you can link it in the like show notes or whatever you do. Absolutely. That is super easy. Look at this man taking care of me and being like, no, 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 I'll just send you the thing and you do the <laughs> thing. And I go, great. That saves me a couple uh, copy and pastes. Listen, Chris, uh, I definitely wanted to bring you on to learn more about your story, but I want to support people who do good work. Uh, I make it a, a very, very important aspect of the show that I do, which is you always try to shine light on the people that you know are working so hard, not just on the jiu-jitsu side, but creating the type of content that I know helps a lot of people. I, I see it, I know it, and I can feel it. So I hope that you continue to keep up the good work. I know the anxiety of moving and making this a full-time career can be entirely crazy, but I think that you are somebody who has great momentum and I foresee continued good things coming for you. And I will definitely be rooting for you. And I look forward to our next conversation. Uh, even though I still like, there's like still 10% beef, if I'm being <laughs> honest, because you're, you're capable of good things. Um, but the rest of it is, is nothing but love and appreciation for what you do, sir. Thank you so much for having me on, man. This was really fun. All right. That was Chris Wojcik. Super nice guy. Super appreciative of his time and his stories. Uh, kids doing good work, but I want to say thank you to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love, appreciate all of your time, your efforts. If you made it this far in the video, kudos to you. I don't always do that on the videos I watch. The ones I like, I do, which means you like me and that means I like you. So a couple quick reminders, just so you know, if you want to support the show and you're thinking, how do I support Raph? It's very easy. All you have to do, go over to hi.page backslash grappling hour become a member all you have to do five bucks a month you get to see these interviews 30 days before anybody else and if you pay a few extra dollars more you could see original content that is not available anywhere else it really does help me here and more importantly every dollar you spend here goes right back into the program so that is what i got for you guys today it has been a blast I hope that you enjoyed the show and I hope you come back for more. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us here at the show today. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats.